Good morning. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for another Avoid the Maze. And today I have on a gentleman who believes the same way I do. Don't reinvent the wheel. Um, you know, take those good parts and make them work for you. Um, and his name is Robert Raymond Realpel. And as I looked at your name, Robert, I said, you're all about the three R's. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and how you decided that, hey, you know what? Um, it's time to reinvent myself, but I'm going to use some of the tools I already know that are out there. <laughs> well, you know, um, and with the three R's, you're right. I do love the three R's. And thank you for having me on your show, Karen. Um, with the three R's, I also tell people it's not just for Robert Raymond Realpel. But it also stands for I like to keep things real with people. That's the first R. Um, I also love to make sure that things are relevant. Whatever I'm going to teach, I want to make sure it's relevant. And then the third one, which is where I know you and I are going to have some great conversations today, is about being repeatable. Anything I teach people, I want to make sure that, you know, when you talk about that wheel, let's make it repeatable. Because if something's working, use it again and again. And of course, in, in school, we're taught, you know, the reason people reinvent the wheel is because we're in school, we're taught, figure it out on your own. Don't copy what someone else has done because that's cheating. Don't ask someone else for help and do it the way they're doing it because that's cheating. So no wonder when we get older, we get into the real world, right. all of a sudden our mind goes, well, here's a system, here's a wheel that's working. I, I, I think it would be great, but I can't do that. I can't follow that. I don't want to be cheating. So we reinvent it. And I came up with a little saying that says this, if you want to reinvent the wheel, do it later. Do it later. Use the wheel, get the success that someone before you has used it for. And once you've got the success and you're now successful, now if you want to make changes, now if you want to reinvent it, now do it because at least you have success. But what do most people do? They hit that wall because they sit there and they go, it's, here's a system, here's a wheel, but I can't use it. I've got to do it my own way. And they wonder why they struggle. So, you know, this took years of me to come to this realization because I was a full-on wheel reinventor as a kid. Growing up here in Canada, growing up that, you know, look, when it comes to work, work hard, find a job you really like, work hard at it, and stay loyal to it. Because if you do, hey, that company's going to take care of you. <laughs> doesn't yeah, work that way, does it? <laughs> no, and I love that you rolled your eyes on that one because... That's exactly what most people respond with. But that's what I was taught to do. So that's what I did. And here I am, 21 years of age, newly married. And all of a sudden, I'm being laid off from my third major job. And I'm going, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. I thought I was going to work for this company for 40 years. What's going on? And I'm so thankful I learned back then that if I wanted to have any kind of success in my life, I had to take control of that success. And where I lived, we were in the middle of a what we call an oil boost or a bust. In Alberta, we have oil. So either we go through a boom where everybody's happy, money's good, or we go through an oil bust. And we run into these eight-year-like cycles. And I love one of the bumper stickers that you see on trucks a lot. It says, please, Lord, let there be another oil boom. I promise not to piss it all away this time. <laughs> but then people do. And eight years later, when we're back in a bust, they're going, right. what happened? And we're in the middle of a bust and I can't find another real job. So again, I'm taught you do whatever it takes to support your family. 
So I started delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. And I actually started making more money, having fun, delivering and talking to people than I'd made in my real job. Doing that for a while, I need something a little more permanent. So I ended up becoming a manager. And from being a manager, a year and a half later, when I'm about to lose my job again, because my franchisees decided he doesn't want to be in Domino's anymore. He's selling his two stores. And my wife and I, because my wife's now my assistant, we had seen enough stores be sold that we know the first thing that new owners do is they let go of the managers because they want to bring in their own team. Right. I'm in panic mode because I'm like, we're both about to lose our jobs. What are we going to do? And of course, I'm like, okay, we got to contact every other franchisee. We got to find another store to manage. We got to do this and this and this and this. And my wife lets me go on for a little bit. And then she stopped and she goes, are you done? I'm like, what do you mean am I done? She goes, keep going. You're obviously not done. I <laughs> vent a little more. And she goes, when I'm done, she goes, are you done now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. She goes, well, first of all, wrong answer. What do you mean wrong answer? She goes, we're not going to go ask for other franchisees. She goes, are we not qualified to be franchisees? And I'm like, yeah. So she goes, well, why don't we just buy this store that we're already working in? I looked at her like she was off her rocker. And I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we <laughs> don't buy this store. And, you know, one of the things um, I love about my wife, one, she pushes me to be a greater person than I ever thought I could be. And she thinks outside the box for both of us. And she said, look, there's got to be a way to do it. We spent the next five months making a lot of mistakes but learning every time. And after five months of making a lot of mistakes and learning and redoing and learning and redoing, all of a sudden we found that we were actually able to buy not just the store we were in, but we bought both the stores that my franchisee had for sale. And we actually did it with no money of our own. Wow. Yep. We got 100% financing. And we became franchisees and we're like, oh, <laughs> we're now, we've got it made. We're 23 years old. We're franchisees. And we were franchisees for nine years and we did okay. We started making pretty good money, but um, we started doing something that I'm afraid to admit that we're probably the only person who's ever done this. We started spending more money than we were earning. Now, I know I just shocked your listeners because no one else has ever done that. No, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Never, right? And by the time we were franchisees for eight years, we're over $150,000 in debt personally and going down quickly. And that's when someone gave us two tickets to an amazing event that changed your life, where we learned why we handled money the way we did. More importantly, we learned to take responsibility for handling the money the way we were doing that. And then we learned specific tools we could do if we want to get out of debt. We were given the wheels of this is what rich and successful people do. Here's how you do it. Follow this system and watch what's possible. And because we actually didn't reinvent the wheel, we had said, this obviously looks like it could work. And we did it. We actually ended up going from being over $150,000 in personal debt to actually being retired completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. And our minds went, wow, this worked. If this little bit of information gave us that result, what would more learning do? And at that point, we became avid students. And we started learning from every master we could. What are the systems? What are the wheels that work? How can we do this? And for the last 21 years now, I've been blessed to travel around the world, teaching these systems to people. 
Um, I've taught personally in live trainings over half a million students around the world. Um, and I've done made millions of dollars doing it and living my passion and having a blast. And that's kind of the long, short, long version of my I, journey. <laughs> you know, and I love it. And you've said a couple of things that typically would make my eyes roll because it's things that um, I keep getting in my email now that people know that I'm coaching and I've been podcasting for 10 plus years. And it's, you know, well, you're doing it wrong. You know, take our course. We're going to teach you how to do it right. And I'm very, very picky because, you know, you don't go from making zero to six figures in 30 days. Okay. No. And so knowing that when somebody throws that in my face and says, hey, you can, it's like, you know what? Um, no. And what's a, what are you going to charge me to learn how to do that in 30 days? But at the same time, I say that sometimes we have to be a little bit more open-minded and listen to individuals like yourself and figure out if your wheel that you're using is really going to work for me. Yes. And it takes really going deep into your gut and saying, you know, it's not. Now list down why it's not. Now let's talk about why it's not. Or yes, it is. Let's make sure and let's yeah. talk about that. So you have a wonderful wife and a great relationship. And um <laughs> plugging myself back in because I just noticed it said weak. Um so I you know, she knows uh, how to talk to you and how to mm -hmm. work with you. I have a marvelous husband who has taught me that I am smarter than I ever thought I was. And when I come up with an idea, um, he challenges me. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened 10 years ago. Um, I had just gone back to school and completed my master's in communications. I was so unhappy in corporate America where I was working, loved what I did, hated the culture. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, what are you doing? And I said, but I make good money. And he goes, I know you do. And that's wonderful. But you know what, honey? It's not all about money. That's right. And when I looked at him, that was not the, what I was expecting. I was expecting him to say, you know, Let's go find this little side job that you'll like, but keep making the money. So I think our listeners need to know that when you and your wife at 21 thought you had it made, and then all of a sudden you didn't have it made, you both communicated with each other. Yes. Yeah. What that, a difference that, that makes. It does. And, and, you know, I tell people this all the time from the stage. I would not be where I'm at today if it wasn't for my wife. Because one of the greatest gifts she gives me is she holds me to a higher standard than I hold myself. If it was left just to me, I would be uncomfortably miserable in that jobs that I don't like. And But she's not willing to let me play that way. And now also I'm not willing to let her play at a smaller level. And, and that's one of the things to me, like we, we do have a unique relationship because we actually not all, all our lives we've worked together and not a lot of couples can do that. Right. You know, my wife and I, we, we met when we were 13 
We started dating when we were 16. We got married when we were 19. And this year we just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. Oh, wonderful. And please do not do the math on my age. <laughs> we, you know, we, but I, I, and I'm totally serious about it that because she's not willing to let me play at a smaller level, there's times when she calls me on my crap and she's will sit there and say, no, that's not it. And this is where uh, one of the things I've learned, you know, I used to be a big believer surround yourself with like-minded people if you want to be successful. And I would even say that from stage for years until one of my mentors kind of gave me a paradigm shift and said, Robert, let me ask you a question. He said, if you're at a bus stop with five other people and you're waiting for the bus to go to the mall, aren't you all like-minded? I'm like, yeah. He said, so if those same five people are complainers, aren't you going to be a complainer? And I'm like, oh, and I knew he had an answer. And I'm like, okay, so what's the answer if I don't want to be like-minded? He said, you want to be growth-minded. He said, and here's the difference. The growth-minded people that you surround yourself with, yes, they'll be there to cheer you on when you're doing amazing. Yes, they'll be there to help pick you up when you stumble. He said, but the most important role that they're going to play is they're going to be the ones that are willing to have those tough conversations with you when needed. The conversation's like, why are you being a jerk right now? <laughs> Why are you playing smaller right now? Why are you being a, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I got it because that's the people I want to be around. I don't want to be around. Yes. People that just go, Oh yeah, you're doing great. Oh yeah. 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 I want the people that tell me, no, you're playing, you're being an idiot right now. You said something that was stupid. You're just being, um, and you'll, uh, um, you're, you're just trying to be, hold your way and be right about things when you're wrong. And you're not willing to see it their way. Those are the people I want to have in my life. Because if I'm the smartest person in the room, there's a problem. Because I'm not that smart. And people go, oh, Robert, but look at all you do. And I said, yeah, because I walk in a room and I, I want to be the dumbest person walking in the room. Because I want to go learn. I want to go find people who have created wheels I haven't been able to use yet. So I can learn how that wheel works and duplicate what they've done. That's why, I, that's what makes me smart is that I utilize other people's systems instead of trying to do it all on my own. So I know when I announced that I was going to start coaching, it was interesting. Um, I was taking care of my son. He lives in Texas now and he had emergency surgery. So I flew down to Texas and I'm sitting around his apartment taking care of him. And um, he says to me, mom, Besides podcasting, what do you want to do? And I looked at him thinking, well, no, I've been pretty successful at this. This is what I want to do. He goes, why do you do it? And I said, because if I can help one person, mm -hmm. I feel great. <laughs> and he goes, so two years ago, you got your coaching certificate. Why? <laughs> now, he was the smarter one in the room because my answer was, oh, I just wanted to learn. He said, don't bull. No bull, mom. Why did you do it? And I said, okay. So I thought I would coach, but there's all these coaches out there. Why me? He said, why not? And he mm -hmm. said, and if you don't have a lot of clients and you're still podcasting, you're still successful, mom. And I sat there for a week thinking, oh my God, he's got something there. 
I just got goosebumps. I came home. I made an announcement. I said, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is what I'm going to do. And I cannot tell you the difference it made for me. I wasn't doing it necessarily to go out and make money, although money is always great. But I was doing it to expand myself. And when I started putting my coursework together, I did exactly what you're talking about. I went and looked at all those wheels and I noticed how many of them were almost exactly the same. So it was like, so I could take these wheels and I can mold them into my message, which is really the same message that you're giving and everybody else. But I'm going to add a little icing here and there. Yep. And I had somebody who said to me, well, Karen, that's not fair. Those people wrote it from scratch. And I said, did they? <laughs> Nothing's been original for hundreds and hundreds of years. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And so my comment was, even if they did, I still comment where I'm getting most of my, where I'm getting my stuff from. I'm acknowledging, you know, that Robert shared this and look how well it works for him. So we're going to try yep. it. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. She talked about making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up being told it was okay to make a mistake? Oh, goodness, no. Oh, my God. And, and that is so many people that grow up that way. If you've got to be perfect. You can't make mistakes. Mistakes are bad. And it's like, are you kidding me? I, I, I now thrive to make as many mistakes as I can as quickly as I can because that's where the biggest lessons come from. When you look at something, you go, okay, what worked? Okay, great, make a list. What didn't work? And you do this without emotion. You just say, this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. And once you understand what didn't work or what's perceived as a mistake, now you can ask the third question of, great, what can I do different? And and Karen, you hit on a couple of things that are really important because you said when you started your podcasting, your mindset was, if I could help just one person. That's exactly what got me into training is I went, if I could help one person do what my wife and I had done, go from being financially stressed to financially successful, it'd be great. And that's what started my journey because it is my passion. And, you know, so that right there is critical. I'm glad you brought that up for your listeners because then when your son's holding you to a higher standard and saying, why did you learn to coach? This is why you learn from as many people as you can because you're going to find, well, I like this part of what they do in their wheel but I don't like that part. But this person over here, never learn just from one person. Learn from as many people as you can because that's where you're going to get the pieces that allow you to go forward. Because no, nothing has been original for hundreds of years. And yet we are believing that, well, to be perfect, I can't make mistakes and I can't borrow from other people. So the second thing that really impressed me with what you said is exactly what I've taught thousands of trainers all over the world acknowledge source acknowledge source it drives me crazy when someone tries to make it sound like well this is what i came up with is because this is my system no it's not but when you acknowledge source and you say you know what one of my mentors such and such because they do this i really see that it works and so i'm using what they use to help other people now your students and your people that you're coaching are going to appreciate you more and if they want to know more they're going to say how do i learn more from your mentor Great. Here's how you find them. 
I would love for you to learn from my mentor. And it, this is where the other thing that comes up is not only are we taught not to make mistakes, but we're taught that, well, if we try and help someone else out, there won't be enough for us. Not true. The universe is abundant. And so instead of having a lack mentality of me, 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 competition, competition, why not go to cooperation and say, you know what? Why wouldn't I want someone to learn from someone I learned from if they can help them? Because if they help me, I know they can help other people. And so when you go into that abundant mindset and you go into cooperation versus competition, it may just blow people's minds with how much more fun, less stress, and more success they can have in their life. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was talking to, um, she's one of my coaches. She's also one of my friends. And I don't always recommend that people go to their friends as coaches, um, but this just worked out perfectly. And I love it because she'll she'll be straight up with me. And you're thinking that why? You're doing that why? And not accusing me, but having me like dig deep and tell her why. Mm -hmm. um, but a couple of little kid, ago, right? Why? Why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> and it's so and it's so important to know that, you know, mm -hmm. because as a as a child, and I claim I was a child until I was 50, because my mother's voice and my father's voice was always in my head. Don't make a mistake. And if you do, you better fix it right away because you don't want the neighborhood to know what oh. you did wrong. Wow. And, you know, I something about my 50th birthday, I woke up, I had this great job in corporate America. And again, loved what I was doing, didn't like the culture. And I just kept succeeding at it and succeeding at it. But the mistake I was making was allowing that culture every year just to eat me up. Mm -hmm. And I would put in more and more hours. So by the time I left corporate America, I was working a 12 hour day. Yep. Because I kept telling myself, I love what I do. So keep doing it. So you don't have to look at the culture. And right. the day that I realized that I went into HR first, I complained about the culture. And I realized as I was doing that, <laughs> HR wasn't going to take any of it. And I just said, finally said, this just doesn't work for me. It's making me ill. Yep. I can't blame you because this is what you've chosen. So I need to take a break and figure out if I can work within this or if I have to move on. Well, they made the yep. decision for me. It was like, you know what? aren't you close to retirement age? And it was like, hmm, that's illegal to say, but okay. Um, <laughs> but on the side, I had been doing some podcasting. And so I finally decided, you know what? I'm going to start using my voice. And once I did, what a difference. And who did I learn from? People like yourself. The, I was bringing on people who had, face some sort of a challenge. Yep. And then I listened. How did you get out of your challenges? <clears throat> so you sort of got out of yours early in the 20s. Well, yes, but that didn't mean there wasn't other challenges. And, and right. you know, I'm loving this conversation we're having because 
you know, it's when I started training and I started living my passion, I'm a big believer. If you don't enjoy doing something you're doing, do something else, which is why we got out of Domino's. We quit enjoying it. And when I started training, I'm now living my passion. And one of my rules was always, if I ever start realizing I'm doing this for the money, then I'm doing it for the wrong reason. You know, you had talked about that earlier and I was eight years in, I'm doing 40 to 50 full on trainings a year around North America. And then we started going overseas to Asia and all through um, Singapore, Malaysia. And all of a sudden I'm wanting to step back because I'm not enjoying it anymore, but I kept getting busier and busier. And all of a sudden one day I'm in Singapore and I realized I got in an argument with one of my mentors and it was about money because I didn't feel I was being paid enough. And all of a sudden on my trip home, I realized it's now become about the money. And I walked um, into the house at home and I said to my wife, I said, I'm done. And she looked at me and she said, don't bullshit me. Cause for two years she had been telling me to take a break cause I was getting burnt out. And I said, no, I'm done. And I ended up taking three and a half years off because I had overlived my passion. And this is a, something I want people to understand. You can overlive your passion. I got burnt out. And because I wasn't taking care of myself properly, I ended up going through two back surgeries because I had herniated a disc and I you know, ended up having to get a micro discectomy. Didn't listen to the doctor when he told me what to do after they took out over 50% of the disc. Three weeks later, I re-herniated the same disc. Ended up back in the hospital to get a second one. They took another 20 plus percent out. And um, I ended up taking three and a half years off because I hadn't listened to my body. I hadn't listened to my energy. I hadn't listened to myself. And it had become about the money. And thank goodness I was in a position financially where, you know, I could take three and a half years off and not have to worry about money because we had created that financial freedom. But I also learned that I went from overliving my passion, which is bad because I burnt myself out, started doing it for the wrong reason. To also not living my passion at all, which was just as bad. And all of a sudden, you know, when I decided to come out of retirement, I wanted to have a little more balance in my life. And people think balance, Karen, is this is like, oh, everything's perfect. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's not balance. Everything's always changing. And to me, balance is when you're adjusting, 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 constantly making those adjustments to keep yourself in balance. So when I came out of retirement, I said, I will only do 20 trainings a year, no matter where in the world I train. Because I like my time off, that still gives me six months a year to be at home, be with family, do whatever I want. And when I came out of retirement in 2013, up until COVID, <laughs> you know, I, I call it I call it BC before COVID. Um, I was doing I was flying on average 200,000 miles a year around the world, but I was doing 19 or 20 or 21 trainings a year and taking six months a year off. I brought that balance back into my life by learning what did not work for me. And again, being willing to not just look at, well, I did this right, did this right, did this right. I looked at what didn't I do correctly. I didn't beat myself up over it. I didn't say, oh my goodness, look at how you failed. Yeah. I went, okay, this didn't work. So how do I make an adjustment? And because of that, you know, going right up until COVID, I was now staying healthier. I was living my passion. My wife and I were traveling the world because now we're all over the world. And when she, especially when she comes with me on a trip, we make them holidays. So we put that bounce back in. And of course, COVID, 200,000 miles a year down to zero, had to reinvent again. Because now all of a sudden, I can't fly. I can't do live trainings. Right. So we looked at it and we went, we bought a beautiful acreage with the intention of eventually building our own training center. And now as we're doing this recording, 
I'm sitting in a 2,300 square foot training center that's attached to my house. On, in, on the outside of my office, I've got a super Zoom room set up where I can um, do a training and have, I can see actually three or 400 of my students on screens because I've got that many TVs set up. I've got nine TVs to be able to see all my students. I've got multiple cameras. I've got a green screen or I can set up sets. I am mic'd up so I can walk around and you know I can do full on live multi-day trainings in that studio or in 45 minutes, everything can be rolled away and I can have 50 students live now in my studio. In my office, I've got a TV in front of me here, a TV behind me here. I can do trainings right here and podcast interviews here. So we reinvented, we reworked it instead of going, woe is me, the world's conspiring against me, I can't, why me? Which a lot of people get into that role because we've been taught that if things don't go right, it must be you that something's wrong with or that the world's against you and we get in that victim role. I choose not to play the victim, <laughs> well, but I do sometimes. Yeah, And playing the victim, um, makes you ill if you think mm -hmm. about it the more it's, you know why me why me why me number one people don't want to be around you when they hear that uh number two you dig yourself down so deep that now you've got to crawl up again you've got to start yeah. all over again um my brother my oldest brother taught me this lesson oh probably about Oh, a little over 10 years ago. And it was on a Christmas day. Now, I live in Ohio. He lives out in the LA area. I have another brother who lives in New York. My mother was living up in Michigan. No family around me other than my husband and my, my youngest son. Now, for some people, that would be enough. But I saw them day after day. So here it is Christmas day. And I'm feeling sorry for myself. Everybody else is with family. Everybody else is doing all these great things. I just watched a Hallmark movie and look how beautiful Christmas is. I knew that was all advertisement, but I didn't mm -hmm. want to believe it. So I got on Facebook and just, why me? Why can't friends invite us for dinner? Why can't family come and visit me? He happened to have read it. He called me up and he said, stop it now. If you want to be with other people, you make the phone call. Yep. You do the invite. You travel to see your family. But I don't ever want to hear you do that again. And all of a sudden, this like light bulb went up. It was like, yeah. well, why not? Yeah, he's absolutely mm -hmm. correct. And I've used that in every step of my life. Yeah, we all have pity parties, okay? We do, we but, absolutely do. But when that pity party starts going out to the rest of the world, then we lose whatever we have, all that confidence that we have in ourselves. And so, mm -hmm. you know, as I tell people, my life is not perfect, but it gets better and better because I start to make choices Mm -hmm. And if my choice is wrong, I look at it and wonder, how can I change that? Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. I can't, if it's always going to end up being this way, because that's what the wheel says, but that's not what I want. Well, then I'm not going to follow the wheel. 
<laughs> that's right. And that's, which is a choice, Yeah, which is a choice. That's where those growth minded, like your brother right there was a growth minded person in your life that said, uh, reality check, take a look in the mirror. And if he didn't have the courage to say that, how long could that pity party go on? Because we do, we all go into those roles. It's just how quickly do we come out of it? And that's why you want to have amazing people around you that are willing to be your greatest supporters in all areas, especially when you need that kick in the butt. <laughs> Absolutely. So you've talked about this wonderful relationship that you have with your wife. There are a lot of couples out there who cannot work together. At least they claim they can't. Right. Um, when I first met my husband, um, he was in the photo industry. And a week after we met, he was doing a photo show in Pittsburgh. Now, I live in Southern Ohio. He lived in Northern Ohio at the time. And he just very nonchalantly said, um, you know, I need somebody to help me at the photo show. Uh, do you think you could come and help me? And so I saw this as a great escape for a weekend. And I got to be with him. And uh, I got there knowing nothing about photography other than you take a camera and you look. Click. And he was in, he sold darkroom at the time. And he taught me about this one little square thing with all these colors on it. And he said, this is called a subtractive calculator. And if you don't have a meter, you use this to identify color. He explained it to me that way. People are coming up to the booth and I've automatically take this out because it's a $12 thing. Wouldn't you love to have this? On Monday, he got an order for a thousand of them from one dealer. He calls wow. me up and he goes, what the hell were you doing? And I said, <laughs> why? And he goes, how did we sell a thousand of them? And I said, well, I just repeated what you said. I took the wheel and I did it. And he goes, oh my God. But it had to have also been your presentation. So he had another show six months later. You know, we were already dating. I went and I said, this is all I'm going to talk about. He said, can I teach you about some of the electronic equipment? I said, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know this wheel. <laughs> and I don't care about photography. Um, but when you have somebody there to support you, it's so much easier. And we've worked together continuously, even though we have our separate careers, we work together continuously. Um, he needed help in the IT field. And he just said to me one day, um, I think you can do this. And he was working for a very small company at the time called Microsoft. And I became an alpha tester. I had no idea what it meant, but I became one. Yep. So encouragement, but belief in yourself that you can learn something new Absolutely. and take it to the next step. Yeah. And, and, and that's where like you're touching on relationships. There's times my wife and I, we have disagreements. It's not like it's always perfect. It is perfect because we don't just try to pretend and that everything's, oh, and, and it, we have disagreements, but we also have um, commitments to each other 
that we will listen to each other. Um, when I now, when I travel as an example, I'm half a way, world away and I'm on a two week trip. And one of our commitments is that, you know, no matter how tired either of us are, we won't just get on the phone together. We'll get on FaceTime and we'll do at least a five minute call face to face, looking at each other, being present. And the key to being present is because we, and I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Karen, I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever been talking to someone and even though you're there with them, you know, their mind's a thousand miles away. Oh yeah. They're processing a ton, right? And so one of the gifts we give each other is when we're on the call together, we're present with each other. And if we notice the other person drifting, that their mind's somewhere else, we don't get upset. We simply say, come back to me. And that's our signal to say, be present with me here because, you know, I, I've just finished 12, 13 hours on stage. I'm tired. I'm a half world away. So maybe it's um, now midnight my time, but it's one o'clock in the afternoon, my wife's time. So she's wide awake. And so I just want to go to sleep. But because we have that commitment to each other and we are present with each other, that five minutes can be all the difference in the world. And that's what keeps us, you know, our relationship strong. And it's little things like that. So even if you don't work with your spouse, even if you're in totally different careers, can you take five minutes a day to fully 100% be present with each other to whatever's being said or whatever's happening or whatever? Because that five minutes, this is where one of the reasons I tell people five minutes can change your life. That's one example of how five minutes can really impact your relationships. I love that. You know, it's interesting. My husband uh, was semi-retired up until April, and he decided to accept a full-time job. Except the full-time job is an hour away from home. So mm. he leaves at 7 o'clock in the morning, and typically somewhere around 7.15, he calls me because he's starting to get a little tired already on the road. And I already know I have to block out that time. And it's good. I'm keeping him awake. I'm keeping him safe. Um, and then again, on his way home from work, he will call me. So I usually know at five o'clock, somewhere between five and 5.15, the phone's going to ring. Um, he also knows our son usually calls me on his way home from work and he's down in Texas. So the hour difference, but it's great because we are prepared for each other. And even if we yes. don't want to talk, sometimes they'll just say, I just need you on the other end of the phone, just in case. And so I can be making dinner. I can be doing other things mm -hmm. if that's what he says to me. And it makes a difference because if we didn't take that time at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, I don't know when we would, because when he gets home, that's right. He is wiped out. And truthfully, you know, some people would say, well, Karen, you're sitting at a computer and you're coaching and you're podcasting. How tiring is that? Oh, my goodness. That mental fatigue? I'll take it, physical over mental any day. And yesterday was one of those days that when he called me at 515, he heard in my voice, you are wiped out. And I said, yeah, I am. Because I've learned, don't lie about it. Don't say, oh, That's no, right. I'm okay. And as soon as I did, he said, can you just sit on the phone? He said, I think I'm wide awake, but in case I'm not, 
And I said, <laughs> okay. And I did. And I went ahead and I was finishing up what I had to finish up. And then he said to me, can you just talk to me for a few minutes? And so I said, okay. And I turned to something on the computer so I could talk to him about something that I knew he'd be interested in. And before I knew it, he was pulling into the garage. So yep. we had our conversation. Then we had dinner. And within 15 minutes of having dinner, he's out for the night. But yep. you know what? That's okay. Because we have found that as a couple, how to come together. We respect each other's oh, private time. I got time. goosebumps again. I got goosebumps yeah. again. I love it. I love it. So and how it, did my listeners... And if you weren't find... present... Go if you weren't present with each other, you would miss those little cues, like him being able to say, you're wiped out. And and that's that's why I want your listeners to really understand that too, is just really understand that it's not about the quantity of time. It really comes down to that quality, that quality. Even if it's 30 seconds of just being so present with someone special in your life, they'll get it. And then this is one of the things that I've found that keep people from success is they go, but Robert, if I'm successful, I'm going to have less time with my family. My family's going to pay the price. And I'm going to tell you, your family will take quality over quantity every time. Because you may try to give them or quantity of time, but if your mind's not there because you're thinking about other things, you're not with them and they get it. They will get it. They will pick it up. But if all of a sudden you have those special times where it's even those five minutes of where you are so connected, that will take you so much further than any... Um, quantity of time you could ever give, in my opinion. Well, and you're going to remember those five minutes. Those are mm -hmm. going to be good memories, whereas the other is going to be like, did well, I ever talk to them? Even if it's five minutes of arguing, yeah. if you're present in that argument, because again, it's not like everything's always perfect, but it may be like, I disagree, that's bull. And But if you're present in that moment, you're still present. Never you know, if someone ever tells you life's always, you know, follow my system and life will be always grand in this way, run, run fast. <laughs> because that's not how energy works. Energy has its ups, it has its downs. That's what gets in people's <clears throat> way about relationships is they think, well, I'm now in a beautiful relationship. It always should be grand. No, you've got to be willing to go through the tough times because if you're always agreeing with each other, is that really a relationship? <laughs> you know, it's, it, you've got to have your own minds. Yeah. That quality <clears throat> and being present will allow you to really get to know who is your partner and what works with them and what doesn't work. Because we know how to push buttons as well. We know when we want to push a button, we know how to do it. You know, let's be honest. And But if you're, again, present, you can learn quicker of, hmm, maybe that's a button I'm never going to press again. Exactly. Instead of totally missing and wondering why all of a sudden the relationship's ending because you keep pressing the same button because you weren't aware what it was doing to the other person. Well, you know, I'm so glad you said that because uh, about a little over a week ago, my husband brought something up. He says, you know, I know I keep asking the same question over and over again. And I say it, you know, not to irritate you, but I'm realizing it irritates you. And I said, well, I don't want it to, but yeah, it does. And he goes, I want us to take the next couple of weeks. Let's think about, he says, I'm never going to stop asking, but is there a better way that I can ask that isn't going to be 
as, you know, doesn't feel like a punch in the gut. Right. And he said, and let's also think of something else that you can say, if you really want me to stop rather than say stop. And so we finally came up with it within a week. And he said to me, this is the best gift you've ever given me. Because he says, I come from an era where men didn't always say the right things. They didn't know. Wait, there, there was an era that's ended. I think men still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he tries so hard to be, you know, say the right things. But he, as he said, he's an old fashioned guy. And I said to him, life has been better in the last week because it comes out nicer. But yet when I know what it means and it's bothering me and I, used my safe word, I said, you don't get mad. And I think we need to do that in all parts of our life. Sometimes there's someone that we're working with that they say something in a certain way that just gets under our skin. Number one, we have to figure out why, okay? But we also have to let that person know, hey, that's pushing my button. Is that what you're trying to do? And if not, Let's rework it. Yep. Gold right there. (laughs) So how can our listeners find you? Because you are exciting. You promised an engaging conversation and we had one. So how can they find you? (laughs) Well, the easiest way to find me is just my name, (laughs) robertrealpel.com. That's going to be the easiest way. And, you know, because I believe that our time is one of our most precious commodities, um, one of the things I'd love to do is a gift from you and I, Karen, to your listeners for just taking their time. Because the fact that you took time to interview me, I thank you so much for that. And, you know, and the fact that your listeners are taking time, if they're still listening and we haven't scared them away, <laughs> that, <laughs> that is awesome and amazing as well. And if they go to my website, robertreopel.com, they can actually download the PDF copy of my book, Success Left a Clue, as our gift to them. Um, you know, no strings attached, completely free, the entire book. And um, it does come with actually one string of caveat. I didn't write the book as a book. I wrote it as a workbook um, because I know people are creatures of the habit. And so at the end of every chapter, I have what's called action steps that if people really want to take their life to another level, do these action steps. And because I'm quirky and I like to have fun with people, I'll even say at the beginning of some of the chapters, hey, did you do the last action step? If not, stop reading right now. Go back and do the action step before you read more. So if they go to my website, they'll be able to download a copy of the book as our um, gift to them. And um, that, that is absolutely me. wonderful. And that's funny that you should say that because um, for those of you listening, I met Robert through podmatch.com and I took this uh, quiz that they provided us. And then afterwards, when I got my score, it said to improve your score, here's the class, go take it. And I kept thinking, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. And I got a message yesterday. Um, you have 10 days to take the course. And it was like, oh, my God, I've been meaning <laughs> to do that. I want to improve my score. Um, so I love when somebody provides us something that we can learn from. Um, so I know what I'm going to be busy doing this weekend is uh, – taking that class, but I'm going to go download your book because I'm sure the wheel is in there. 
and I'll be able yep. to uh, provide my clients with some good information and, you know, I can tell them exactly where I got it from. And that's wonderful. Uh, excellent. Well, well thank, thank you for having me on your show. Thank you. You were wonderful. And hopefully we'll have you back on again. I love it. Anytime. Anytime. Bye-bye now.